Sippers, welcome to this episode of the Tea With Me podcast with me, Shane Todd. My guests today are Two Door Cinema Clubs, Sam Halliday and Kev Baird, who are about to launch, will have launched their own podcast, MFT, My First Tour. Did I say that right? My First Tour, MFT, which is all about the realities of being in a, in a band, a very, very, very successful band, Two Door Cinema Club, provided a lot of the anthems of a lot of people's youth and they continue to make great albums to their latest one false alarm to this day which i'm a very big fan of and i gushed to the guy saying i listened to this on my honeymoon and it was lovely um and i thought that was a really nice time we chat about their the fact they're setting up a podcast about being in a band you know because when they joined or they formed two door cinema club uh i'm pretty sure they were in their teens um their late teens anyway and they set off gigging all around the place and it's now led them to doing the festival circuit all over the world the guys can play in on one week they could be in germany and ecuador and america and um, i'm just a real big fan i'm a real big fan so we had a good chat about a big range of subjects um and just talked about the fact that they're starting up why they wanted to start a podcast in general so do check out the podcast my first tour you will find it on the tudor cinema club social accounts and, uh, and just, just search for it in Apple Podcasts. Also, i got to plug the fact that we're doing a live episode this Sunday. It's for Patreon people only, Patreon sippers only. Patreon.com slash Tea With Me Podcast. If you want to support the podcast, be a Patreon and get exclusive content, guys. Uh, what a hashtag exclusive, like um, like the, the live episodes. And I'll announce the lineup for that soon. My stand-up special from last year, The Todd Father, is on there as well. If you're on Patreon, so that's patreon.com slash tea with me podcast. The last live podcast that we did, so we do it over Zoom, and you get a link if you're a Patreon supporter. The last one we did, we had Jamie Lee O'Donnell from Derry Girls. We had singer songwriter Ryan McMullen, and we had the brilliant stand up Mickey Bartlett as well. So there's going to be a good lineup this time as well. We're going to do it on Sunday night. We're going to get some of the sippers in on it as well after the episode. We'll just see who's hanging about. And we'll, we'll, you know, have a have a chat over a cup of tea. Patreon.com slash Tea With Me Podcast. Also, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Now, Manscaped is... There's, let's not beat around the bush. Actually, let's beat around the bush. That's what Manscaped's all about. The Lawnmower 3.0 is Manscaped's, let's just say, gentleman's grooming gear. You know, if, if your pubic region is densely populated, why not make that sparse? And that's what the Lawnmower 3.0 does. It's a compact little electric razor. I use it, producer Dan uses it, and we compare pictures, and we have never been looking better down there. Sippers get a discount if you use the code T with me, all one word, T with me. You get 20% off and free shipping, and your undercarriage is going to go from looking like it's going to go from looking like um, Rod Stewart's head to Phil Mitchell, if you know what I'm saying. There's a little torch on it in case you're one of those sippers that likes to trim your pubic hair in the dark. Manscaped.com slash tea with me podcast. No, manscaped.com. The code is tea with me. 20% off, free shipping. Okay, I'm a, I'm a user of this product. Guys, if I wasn't using it, I wouldn't tell you about it. Let's get on with the podcast with Sam and Kev from Two Door. This is the With Me podcast. Let's do it. Potentially the longest technical setup 
to do a podcast that I've ever done. I mean, it was just like the Chuckle Brothers and another brother trying to make something technical happen, but we're now all on the mics. Your guys' setup looks a lot more professional than mine. I, I hate this. Rec- this is such a bitch recorder. Look at it. <laughs> it's such a like football commentator on work experience microphone. <laughs> that, that, like John Maltz's son. Um, Sam and Kev, cheers for, cheers for doing the podcast. We got, we got there in the end with this. I'm delighted. Yep. Sam, yeah, cheers for having us on. Sam, you're, us. In, you're in Belfast. Kev, whereabouts are you? I'm in uh, London. Oh, yes. Um, guys, what have you been doing as a band in lockdown? Does everything just, does everything just stop when you're, when you're in a band, whenever you can't perform live? Or are you still, like, what is the reality of being in a, in a touring band during lockdown? I think when you're in your 30s and have been doing it as long as we have, it just stops. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> most, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think most uh, bands are like doing things on Instagram and, uh, you know, getting out the acoustic and doing covers online for people. Um, but that just seems so far from anything we would ever do. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we're playing on our instruments, we do guitar lessons. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're not. Yeah, I mean, I think Gary Lightbody's written an entire album via an Instagram live thing that he does every week, and I watch him do it and go, "Gary, mate, just just relax, just, <laughs> just put the just put the pegs up and enjoy yourself." But I, I, I mean, it just play. it just makes me feel, uh, you know, it makes me feel jealous that I don't have that that kind of creativity because, like yourselves, like lockdowns kind of like, you know, there was a bit of it where I was like, "This is not this is not too bad," you know, you can sit with a notepad open like you're do like you're gonna do a bit of writing. And it's fine. You can watch Homes Under the Hammer. You can, you can watch Cobra Kai. Does anybody watch Cobra Kai? I don't know what that no. is. Sam, do you know what Cobra Kai is? No. Cobra Kai is, uh, what would you say, like a, a new series of the Karate Kid film. So. Oh yes, Cobra Kai is at the dojo. Ralph Macchio is in it. All the people from well, Mr. Miyagi R.I.P. isn't in it, but the the guys that were in Karate Kid are now in this like it's like a teen series um but it's 10 like it's terrible but it's phenomenal as well so yeah i would, I would it's on netflix i would definitely recommend definitely recommend cobra kai um the reason i want to chat to you guys is that you have a you have a podcast out which is about being in a band and that's something i and i'd say a hell of a lot of people are very curious about because i tour as a stand up but that's you can imagine what that involves, but but being in a band and and touring and and touring worldwide kind of must give you a hell of a lot of stories. But did the podcast idea come to you during lockdown? Was it one of those things of like, oh, we need to do something while we're just everyone's kind of sitting around, or is it something you've always wanted to do? I think Sam and I have been talking about it for quite a while. Um, yeah, we just loved the idea of it and just thought it would be a laugh and. Um, Another guy, Greg, who's a really close friend of ours, um, has a very sort of unique, um, inquisitive nature to him. Um, and we just thought it would be a really fun thing to do. We've been chatting about it for ages. And just like anything, we just never really got around to doing it. And then obviously lockdown happened and that seemed like the perfect time. Also, at the same time, we were like, really don't want to do a lockdown podcast. You know, yeah. we just sort of thought, 
you know, everyone's sort of starting up a podcast of just, hey, pods, I'm just here <laughs> chatting absolute shite for an hour and a half, you know, rambling on about nothing. Yeah. Um, so we tried to keep it really locked down free. So we don't even mention that there's a global pandemic going on throughout <laughs> it, um, which also seems a bit surreal. Um, but yeah. But I don't think people want to hear about about that a lot you know like we're, we're all totally aware of the pandemic so when you do listen to a podcast you probably want to get away from from thinking about that for the hour for the hour and a half that it goes on i actually know greg that you do the podcast with because yeah, that's oh, you funny. Did? He, he's he mentioned really that he's uh, he's he's mentioned that he's done a couple of filming things with you back in the day or something yeah but one of the the, the most bizarre thing that i've ever filmed it was a, a sketch show for BBC and I, and this was this was like twelve years ago. I just started doing stand up, and they were like, "We'll give you fifty quid if you want to go along and be like an extra in this in this sketch show." So I said, like, "Yes, absolutely, bang up for it." And it was me, your friend Greg, and and uh, shamed former football pundit Ron Atkinson. So big Ron was <laughs> he was not Pretty also shame. Oh, I mean, the the shame was pretty fresh. Ooh, like this was yeah, right. this was about a, cheap year, end, a year after. Oh, we were getting fifty quid. I think Ron was getting less, and <laughs> it, we filmed it at the Oval at Glentoran Football Club. And um, me and Greg were like, "This is really weird that, that we're just doing this with Ron Atkinson." And uh, you know, big Ron when it comes to race, you know, very sly, but just you know to two young white guys at the time very pleasurable very nice guy and uh and strange yeah me and, me and greg just had a nice time but we're like this is weird and there's a picture of me greg and ron atkinson somewhere on the internet that's a bit that's very surprising i mean greg is the kind of guy that like just crazy things happen to him all the time i'm and he's like the luckiest and unluckiest man ever you know if something can go wrong it'll go wrong him but then someone you know you'll be you'll know someone who like just you know they shit gold sometimes someone just comes up to them and like here do you want this car and they're like (laughs) sure you know and just things like that happen to him all the time um but yeah he's 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 a great guy and a really old friend so it was really fun to kind of even just chat about things you know and with someone that you're mates with and he was obviously filming some stuff over the years for us. Um, so he has a bit of a, we wanted someone that had some insight that it wasn't just like, what's well, a gig? Um, yeah, yeah. But someone who was also a bit uh, inquisitive because we were a bit like, don't even know what's interesting anymore. Um, so, but I yes. mean, just being on, because you know a lot of people will tour the same kind of place whether it's like europe and you can you've been to those cities but like you know when i see stuff on your social media of gigs in in south america or or asia you know just being three guys from banger like you say formerly playing in the education library board <laughs> band you know that that that's that's very very uh different to to the sort of gigs you you would be doing at home or that local bands are are doing is it difficult to not just tell stories in the podcast that you probably can't tell? If you get me, because you know, through years of touring, you've 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 seen stuff. You probably know stuff about other bands the way comedians would would know other comedians. Um, so, was it ever difficult to like to rein it in slightly? 
Yes. <laughs> I think it's tough as well whenever you're, you know, yourself, you're doing it on like Zoom as well. And it's just, you kind of forget sometimes that you are recording and you're just talking as three mates. Um, but yeah, luckily we heavily edit everything we do because <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not very professional at it yet. Um, have so, uh, have Tudor ever got into like a little bit of a beef with any other bands? Um, like it, like even like I, a I secret, like I, not even, is there like a festival band that like, it's like the fight in Anchorman between like the rival news stations. Like whenever you guys say like, you know, I don't know another band, like uh, false, like is there ever like a little bit of a, like, you know, squaring off kind of thing? I got into a Twitter beef with Good Charlotte once. <laughs> was this, was this like and, uh, many, many years ago or this is, was this not that long ago? No, many years ago. Um, and it was kind of just a bit funny. Uh, I was just probably being a dick on Twitter, probably. And uh, he kind of got quite aggressive back to me. But like, I hadn't like you know, tagged them or anything. I can't even really remember. But I remember him saying something. I used to wear glasses a lot. like, And uh, <laughs> him saying something like he was going to slap the glasses off my face when he saw me and all this stuff. And then it very quickly went to like, oh, we're just messing. I'm a big fan of your band. And then it was like, okay. As in, um, as in, you so said that, or he, did he said that? Quickly. No, no, he backed down. He backed down. Have sure. you guys, have you guys ever played a festival together since, or anything? I don't think they've ever played a festival since. <laughs> oh shit! Sam's, Sam's just reignited the feud. <laughs> <laughs> Good Charlotte, oh. more like terrible Charlotte. Am I right? Oh, it's going to explode <laughs> when we isolate this and put it up as a clip and we will tag good charlotte <laughs> one thing i will say lifestyle to the rich and famous was an, was an absolute banger oh yeah i mean a million times more successful than we'll ever be but <laughs> what 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 did you not like about good charlotte at the time kev like what what sort of kicked it all off um i can remember this is as i i kind of didn't really want to get into this because no, do. i was young and immature <laughs> and being a bit of a dick i think i think some like uh i don't know enemy or someone who i followed tweeted something being like good charlotte you know announce hiatus or whatever and i just sort of retweeted it and wrote about time <laughs> something <laughs> really dicky like that and then he he went for me um you got to be careful because like, I think that's kind of sums up Twitter, really, because it's just a bit of a hellhole for negativity. Yeah, they're brother. A couple of those guys are brothers as well, so you kind of got to be careful because they would, you know, they'd have each other's back. I have brothers too, so <laughs> oh, put my shit. dad on them, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. definitely, like you know, you you say we're, you know, we're locked down. You didn't want to do like Instagram live type type stuff, but you know, you, your brother, and your dad fighting good Charlotte and Sam. I don't know if you want to get involved or you want to be the one just streaming it, but yeah, that'd be very enjoyable. Would you back your? Would you back you, your brother, and your dad? I don't know how many people are in Good Charlotte, but would you back the pair guys to to to, to beat Good Charlotte? Fuck no, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been in a fight in my life. I mean, I've been punched before, but never, you know, been in a fight, I'd say. Yeah. Um, when when will you guys put the podcast out? We just put up the first two episodes last week. And is it like, you know, to, to, to actually be like, okay, we're we're a touring band, you know, the, the stories are kind of like about your adventures on the road and, and being, being in a band will you have other bands on or is the sort of thing it's just like a personal thing about what what you guys have experienced 
Yeah, we recorded like six episodes um, just ourselves, just to try and find our feet a bit. Um, and we tried to keep it quite focused. So each episode is very much um, about one aspect of touring. So we've done an episode on tour bus life and we've done one about support bands and what that means and sort of some stories. And then today we just put up um, part one of a, a festivals episode which we've done two of, right? Two parts? Two parts. Because there's obviously quite a lot to talk about. But yeah, I feel like we could just keep going on about all these things. Um, so we'll probably revisit certain topics and hopefully get some guests on as well, which would be cool. Um, I think there's definitely lots of other voices who who tour, apart from even just people in bands, um, that would be cool to get on for people, you know, like people from the, the crew world and, and stuff like that. So yeah, there's hopefully lots of scope for doing something with it. Is there a big difference between generally between what people imagine being in a band on tour is like, like tour life, and then the reality of your tour life? Because as I say, like when I do stand up, it's just me. I don't tour with a crew. It's it's just me. But like being in a band, I'm I'm imagining it's it's a lot more lively. There's a lot more going on. It's a lot more fun. But do you have shared experiences to me, which is a lot of just sitting? There's a lot of waiting around for sure. I think I think that's something that we um, wanted to kind of expose a little bit in the podcast. And I think like if you're at a certain level and you know you're Kanye West or whatever, I'm sure it's all rainbows and champagne and private jets or whatever. Um, and obviously, some of the time, you know, it can be feel quite glitzy. You know, sometimes you get put up in like a five star hotel in Asia somewhere, and you're like, it's unbelievable. But I think the majority of the time, it's just that it's it's. Uh, just sitting around waiting a lot and i think so things like are quite highly coveted by you know people who've never been on them things like the tour bus you know it's like oh so fancy and when you're starting out as a band and you're just in a in you know your mum's car or um in a van or whatever you're always sort of idolizing the tour bus and then once you get it's like anything you can get used to anything really fast um and parts of it are still quite grim um as you know we can kind of talk about in the in the in the episode where we talk about tour bus you know a big one would be at the end of the night after the gig and you've just sort of had a shower and you're in your kind of pjs ready to go to bed almost and you've got to get to the tour bus but a lot of the time the tour bus is like parked at the front of the venue and all the fans know that you're going to go there at some point so you're always there like all your fucking luggage and like toothbrush and maybe in your flip-flops just really kind of breaks the illusion of of the rock star and maybe other people are cooler than we are but we're usually in our gym jams ready to go i was i was offered a glimpse into the traveling you guys do on a very small scale you were doing an episode of across the line for bbc radio ulster about 11 or 12 years ago and I was a I was reviewing a gig on Across the Line, and you guys had come from Bangor, and it might have been Rigsy presenting the show at the time was like, Tudor will give you a lift back to Hollywood if you want there, like there was space in their car, but um, but I just got like a bit nervous about it, and I was like, no, it's okay, I'll get a bus, um, but you know, I just think that was very that was very interesting that like that was back in the day when like, yeah, everyone's crammed into your car driving down to. The BBC, which at the big at the time was probably like class to like you know because across the line is the lo- the local music show, and um, whenever you're whenever you are touring, like what was the f- what was the first tour you ever did as a as a band, even like a national thing here? First tour here, I don't even know. 
we just did a lot of church halls when we were like 15. <laughs> and then, uh, Sometimes like you get a big band who um, it's a classic, you know, you'd get the Irish support. Um, so they'd be on a big like UK tour and then they'd come over and do like Belfast and Dublin. Um, but like they didn't bring the normal support band with them. So a lot of the time we'd get the gig, um, you know, sometimes like playing with people like the Wombats came, I remember, and then the Maccabees and, you know, artists like that. Um, we would have played maybe the Belfast and Dublin show initially. White Lies, I think, also maybe once. Did uh, White White Lies was one of the best one of the best gigs I ever went to. They played Mandela Hall. I don't know if you guys were op- were opening. Yeah, I think we were. No, no, no. no? I think we played with them in Spring and Airbreak, maybe or something. Yeah, Spring and Airbreak. Limelight the- One, as it is now. I went to see them in in, in Mandela Hall and. Uh, was was sick in my girlfriend at the time's shower on the, on the way home and i was not oh. having a shower at the time i just thought that'd be a good a good place to contain it and uh and met her housemates for the first time the next day and uh then months later they were like by the way our, our shower still smells as sick because in like the grooves <laughs> of the door there is still sick so i'd appreciate oh. it sometime if you could come down and sort that and i never did so i just want to apologize to them the sign of a good night the sign of a good night definitely yeah um whenever you did your first uk tour what, had you had you got much behind you at that point? Like, was there was there singles out? Was there a bit of a buzz then, or was the first time you went over just kind of seeing seeing what was happening? There was definitely no buzz. Yeah, I think we finished school. Must have been like the June, and we went on our first UK tour that following September. So like two months later, um, and we'd appointed like a, a like a, a booking agent over the summer. A guy from London who was like, ah. Oh, I got to take you guys to the top. Um, and we said, okay. And he had this big band. Well, they had, had a moment. I can, I can vividly remember like the day before the tour started, they played Jonathan Ross. And at the time that was like a huge big deal. There was a band called Igloo and Hartley from oh, LA. Yeah. 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 They had like a, like one hit. Um, and it was kind of like going and like, they were going on the, like the Gonzo tour. That was like a thing at the time. And, um, yeah, we got the support, um, around the UK and just, that was one where it was a complete, like, you know, deer in the headlights kind of thing for us, because not only were these guys kind of like on a bit of a buzz going somewhere, but they like, they like to party. And, um, we were always quite used to, you know, having a good time, but ultimately a lot of the time we had to like drive home after the gig. Cause we, if we were playing in Derry or we were playing in like Stravan or, Dublin we would just go home we couldn't afford a hotel so this was a real eye-opener with this like band who had crew and they just went they like they properly went for it as if they knew that it wasn't going to last um so yeah it was quite intense um and that was a bit of an eye-opener probably a lot of stories that we couldn't tell um from that one that we saw people other people do (laughs) we were like what the hell is this you know um so yeah that was the first time and then we did a few other things that year. And then the first single came out the following year, which would have been 2009. Sam, what was the first moment on tour or traveling as a band that you were like, this, this is the life, like this is class. Like even if it was a small token thing at the time or something you got for free, like what was the first thing where you were like, now we're, now we're living? Yeah, it was probably the first time we got offered uh, catering in the venue. <laughs> uh, got a cooked lunch. Um, before it was like 
stopping at a service station and trying to make your five pound for the day last three meals um so yeah I feel like for me it's always about the food to be fair so has yeah. the food like what 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 is the best food experience as a band like is there like a platter that particularly stood out <laughs> um i know what you're gonna say sam you're you think i'm gonna say the pasta man at uh I was going to say it's between two. I think you're going to say the pasta man, or you're going to say summer sonic. Oh, summer sonic, yeah. So yeah, uh, festival catering is always like um, either amazing or pretty terrible. It's always the sign of like how good a festival is going to be, I suppose. Um, and there's uh, it's always the joke whenever we go to these festivals in Germany that have this catering, and it's there's always a, a guy who makes uh, fresh pasta in a pan, and. <laughs> just i would always get slightly excited but it's it's really average but i think just sometimes you sort of pine after those very normal meals sometimes yeah, yeah. um and just a guy cooking something fresh for you there and then with whatever you kind of want in it kind of like an omelet station but a pasta guy yeah um yeah. very dull but i always got very excited about it but then summer sonic was just this festival in japan where they would just have it's different it was like a food festival the catering you know every little area would have its own station of like a sushi man a teppanyaki guy a steak guy you know like a western food section it was just yeah, there was a table for the american bands which was just you know graham crackers and uh, donuts <laughs> um yes full of giant uh crew guys yeah and in japan you had a guy whipping up a pasty supper especially <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't a Belfast station, sadly. <laughs> That's disrespectful. Mm. Tour, I mean, the the only the only tour, and I've done like I've only really toured like UK. And when I say tour, you're maybe just going to do like four dates over four or five days. So I've never properly been on the road. So I've been away for a couple of weeks at a time, but that's really been it. What is being on the road like compared? what's the reality of being on the road like compared to what you thought it would be like whenever you were you know planning those tours and, and thinking about going for the first time i think the toughest thing probably is like just the dif the difference between like getting into a routine of being at home to then just going away for like a month and like or even you know longer than a month um and like trying to maintain relationships like not just like you know, with a, a girlfriend or a partner or whatever, it, like even just like remembering that people exist outside of the touring party because it is just like a separate world and a separate life sometimes. Um, that's probably been the toughest thing to like navigate, I think, for me anyway. But uh, yeah, at the same time, like it's obviously class getting to go away to all these places. So it's sort of lived up to it in one sense. But then, yeah, I don't know. Because I think with, you know, my perception of, being in a band on tour is every night you just go and do a big show and then you're traveling to you're traveling to the next show and it, and it just doesn't stop but like touring definitely does stop and that's kind of the difficult time to to navigate probably is that is that in between like i i did the east coast of america just just three or four shows last year and um and it sounded great i was like you know i'm gonna pack so much in but i would like fly into a city at like 6 a.m and have the show that night and then realize like where do where do, where do i start and what do i do and i would have all these plans of i'm going to do all these tourist attractions and in the end i would just really sort of sit 
I would go to the gym in the hotel, but I would really just sit on the rowing machine thing and not really row and just be on my phone checking football news. Like that's <laughs> that was the reality of touring for me. And 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 you don't know anyone in the city, so as soon as the show's done, you got all this adrenaline. You're like, all right, yeah, back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, it's very similar for us. I think you can't you can't really replicate that sort of feeling of when you consciously decide on your own or with your partner or whatever to go on holiday you know what i mean and that kind of the the vibe you create and the enthusiasm to kind of get off your arse um but yeah i think the same when we're touring it's like sometimes you just need some time to just do nothing um and so, i don't know why but it's quite hard to motivate yourself to go and you know look at that tourist attraction and the other side of it is like you know, for a lot of the time, yeah, we're in a big city, you know, that has lots to do like New York or LA, but then a lot of the time you're not, you know, there's not as much to do in, if you've got a day off in Leicester, um, you know what I mean? Um, Go to the Walker's factory. But yeah, it just, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we just, you just try and make the most of it. It's, it's, it's quite hard. I think when we were younger, it was really full on, you know, we had, there was like a period of like two years where we just didn't even live anywhere. We just had suitcases in a storage thing because we just sort of slept on mates' floors or, you know, went back to our parents' house or whatever. And we had time off because the touring was that intensive. Um, and I think, as Sam sort of mentioned, like you kind of just imagine everyone else is on pause while you're away and then you kind of get back and you realize it's not the case. Um, so, yeah, you're trying to... We, we I think we're much better at it now. We're a bit older and we can afford to maybe only go away for like two or three weeks at a time and then have a bit of time off um so you can kind of try and go away and be like right next time new york i'm doing this 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 and then you don't do it anyway but at least you tried you know yeah that's what i was going to ask does does touring and being in a band how much does it change as you get older as you kind of you know start families and 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 buy and settle in a house you know is that the main thing of like you you pick and choose a lot more what you do as opposed to maybe at the start where you're like i'll go anywhere for any amount of time you just kind of want to want to get out there yeah that's it trying to balance it a bit more and uh it is tough like you say about the adrenaline like after a show you do just want to go and do something because um you know you're you're not going to go to sleep straight after like doing a rock show um you kind of want to go and blow off a bit of steam um but I suppose that the older you get, the less kind of cool or appropriate it seems to sort of just go to like, I don't know, a club or something. <laughs> um, you just feel, yeah, you just looking about, feeling very old and uh, out of place. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's sort of the thing you have to try and figure out as you get a bit older as well, how you appropriately <laughs> come down. <laughs> After parties are always a great idea, but like, the, like a couple of times if I've done like a big show in Belfast, it's like, we'll book somewhere for after. And then the reality is it's great to see everyone and thank friends and family for coming. But like, you just, you just want to go like the, even if it's the best show ever, you just kind of want to get home. Like, <laughs> like an out, like after party and we're going to do this and do that. But you sometimes I just find you're so tired that all you want to do is really see if you can, you know, get a little bit of match of the day in. Oof. And you end up always spending too much time talking to that one person you didn't really want to talk to. It's someone, someone that someone's brought. Like your whole friends and family are there and your your cousin's new boyfriend's there. Oh. And he's like, how do you come up with your jokes? And you're going, mate, no, I <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't do it. Really great to meet you. That's the, <laughs> it, was, it was really great to meet you. That's the out. 
you know, there's, over the years. American guy who uh, used to run our radio and he was such a character. Well, Danny something. Yeah, um, he was like st- step straight out of Spinal Tap, like just like yeah. one of those guys. Brilliant. Such a character. One time, I think, Sam, you were getting like a bit hassled in New York after a gig by a load of fans. I say hassled, yeah, you know. Sounds, sounds like me. wanted a photo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy, Danny, comes over and is like, guys, I got to get this guy out of here. I got to get him out of here. I'm sorry. And he brings you away and he's like, Sam, always submit to a higher power. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's always like, I'm sorry. I- I'd love to stay. But, you know, this guy over here is making me leave. Is yeah. always, you know. But, you know, a real Northern Irish thing in that situation is people will shake your hand and keep it. Oh, no. They'll keep it, you know. <laughs> just just want to tell you, mate, really enjoyed it. I, 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 I find you'll always get a, a critique after the show from people you don't really know. I'll like, oh, mate, right. I enjoyed it, but would you not do a bit more of the political stuff? You know? Uh, no. <laughs> let, me, let me write that down, actually. <laughs> Do more trouble stuff, mate. Could you could you not do a troubles show just all about the the troubles? Uh, yeah, because I, I went to the uh, when you did the Telegraph Building show last year, and it was just I just went to say hi after the show, and it, it was just pleasant. That's what I'm all about. Just a pleasant backstage area where just people are are just saying thanks for following. But the, but everyone at that gig is probably thinking like they're back there now, bottles of vodka <laughs> open, you know, like trash in the place, and if anything. You know, you guys are like the Japanese national football team who are well known for tidying up changing rooms <laughs> after they play there, which is a genuine thing that I that I very much like. Um, I want to ask you about pre or post like COVID when it, when things are more back to normal, like whenever that is. Um, is it difficult to like plan what you're going to do because it it feels that music in particular has been hit like horrendously badly by this even compared to someone like me who's still able to do stand-up like i'm i could go and do a show tomorrow like a socially distant show tonight um and they seem fine with that but as soon Mm. as you bring a guitar into it or or a keyboard or anything you just you're not allowed to perform so um what's what's like the music industry chat at the minute or what what are your labels saying to you about when you can do shows again hard to think i think like a lot of things during this lockdown uh positivity goes in waves you know you'll get one week where everyone's like it's going to be fine guys you know gigs will come back you know in the next couple of months and then the next week something happens and it's like ah we're all fucked uh the industry's gone um but i think at the moment we're sort of planning for you know march april things might start to come back which seems crazy you know um but yeah i think the hard thing is for music especially you know big things which actually kind of make money for bands as festivals you know the infrastructure required is massive um and by that uh nature like the financial outlay is so huge um and i think people have been burned already with trying to predict where this virus is going to go and you know what the end point is going to be and you know i think people are a lot more cautious and i think um you know, a lot of people are kind of starting to be a bit scared about, you know, less support for, you know, musicians and crew members and people who just generally work in the industry that they're just going to have to go somewhere else and do another job. And can they wait until March or April next year? Don't think so. And will they come back? I think we'll lose a lot of really talented people in the music side, but also on the, on the, on the crew side as well, sadly. 
Yeah, it, it the music industry just uh, locally, especially, just totally like totally decimated, and um, and and the shows you guys did in in Newcastle a couple of months ago, where they got loads of publicity because of the the imagery of these like raised like platform areas that people could go to, like with people from their bubble, uh, at an outdoor gig. Like I saw that, and I was like, well, just just start doing that everyone should just start doing that now for like outdoor gigs or or festivals if if they have to if some measures have to be in place like that looked brilliant and as a 31 year old guy 32 year old guy whenever i see that i'm like that 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 should just be once covid's out of the way let's just keep that little box area like that's what i'm all about you know i I, the number one thing i don't like is being bumped into when i'm at you know i like the i like the real music experience but if someone knocks into me i'll go home you know, if someone like if someone spills a bit of a beer over my shoes, like I'll report them to the police. So I think it's far better to have this like self-enclosed area. I thought that looked that looked. Fun. I mean, it'd say be weird looking out for that doing a show, like looking out to see people like that. But um, I don't know why that things like that couldn't happen more. No, I'm with you. I'm all for the 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 solo experience at a gig. I don't want to be near anybody. I don't know, um, and be able to be able to bring a seat and. Uh, just even have a wee seat if you if you feel like you need to. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I just uh, yeah, the thing with that, like it was great and um, it was really fun for us, obviously, to get to play. And you did get the impression that people were really enjoying being out again, and like it was really nice to see because, like you say, from the stage you really could see everyone. There was nowhere to hide, like no crowds um, there at all. But uh, it was really cool just to see everyone have have a laugh and have a good time with their mates again. Um, so it was it was really enjoyable, but I just don't know how financially viable it would be to recreate because like it was a main stage festival stage, like a huge setup production wise. Um, because obviously being socially distanced, um, it was a kind of a massive field and did go really far back. So it had to be a big production so people could see it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know how how viable that is. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully it can be recreated. Uh, one thing I do, I will talk about briefly is like, you know, people say like, what have you been up to in, in lockdown and, and are you keeping busy? But like, I'd say you guys are very, very busy at the minute because you're both expecting, expecting arrivals. Kev, have you, have you had a new baby yet or are you, you still? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I'm, we're a little bit behind Sam and his wife. So, um. Yeah, Sam's gonna be the trailblazer and tell me how how it's all done. But yeah, so I was a bit late to this because I was doing a, a a breastfeeding course. Um, so, I know. mean, people say you know you should you should you should stop you know at, at six months or, or eight months or, or a year. But you know if it's something you're thinking about getting into, you know I think why you know why why not go for it as a as a, as an adult man? But yeah, the courses that are offered are are great one thing we're thinking about getting into um our baby's three months now is, is baby yoga which is enjoyable so there's so much to look forward to about uh parents to be in in that there's just so much like to to be done and whenever mm. i was you know when we were planning you, you you think like okay we've got all this sorted and then when the baby comes it, it it's it is the biggest change like as everyone would know the biggest change in your life imaginable and uh and it's just it's just so great so are you like 
are you ex- what 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 is the ratio of excitement to nervousness i am definitely a massive optimist so i'm just excited um i'm sure that will be switched on the balance for sure once it arrives but yeah excited kev when is you calling it, it, it i know <laughs> until i can oh. talk back <laughs> yeah. i mean it it was definitely like the so good it made locked like the actual lockdown and stuff almost almost maybe rude to say but like enjoyable for us because it was mm. it, it, we, we were like i think we watched the, the news the first week of lockdown we were watching the daily news and then we just got out of the way of it because there was so much happening there was so much we had to get ready for going to classes kev like you know parent and classes and that kind of thing although that all got stopped for us because of social distancing which i was absolutely buzzing for the general parenting <laughs> classes and antenatal classes just complete nightmare uh a complete nightmare we went to one and then they were cancelled but it's one of those ones where like you're there with eight other couples in in hospital doing that and there's always one guy who's like way too into it oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's like a similar thing i'm i'm sure you have as well it's like when you get your hair cut a little bit you're really dreading you know when they, when they come around to you and they're like all right and who are you what do you do and you're like yeah. oh. it's like you don't want to lie but it's like i just wish i could say uh i'm a banker or something really boring it's just the extra follow-up questions that i'm nervous about same like getting your hair cut oh you just think it's not worth it no, no she shane loves a lie about what he does <laughs> I tell them before they ask. <laughs> <laughs> I go. Uh, oh, man, port in it. Um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go with writer. Sometimes people go, "What do you do?" I go, oh, I'm, "I'm a writer." But then they ask, like, "What do you write?" And I will go, "You know, comedy." And then you still have the same kind of conversation. But I do like it because I enjoy whatever joke the person will tell me that they believe is is great. <laughs> you know that the, the the did you hear the one about? But when you're when you're in a band and you tell people you're in a band, because I obviously get tells a joke, what's the number one? Surely people aren't like, sing us a song. Uh, like, would I have ever heard of you? Yeah. And how you're like, you know the no. answer to that? <laughs> Striking a balance of like, you just kind of say, I don't know, depends what you're into. And then they go, oh, go on, go on. And then you tell them, they're like, no, nah, I've never heard of you. <laughs> but no, but chances are, chances are everybody in like UK and Ireland has has heard your music yeah like you ever like been you, in debenhams ever been in debenhams <laughs> or big hit there for a while well sam you and i went for pizza once and and i said is it weird when you're in places and your songs come on and then your song came on oh yeah it does happen now, in, in fairness you went up to one of the waiters and gave me a cd <laughs> but <laughs> yeah it is a bit awkward you kind of it, it's you're, i always get it and i'm like with the wife or something and i'm like why did I instantly feel uncomfortable and I haven't quite figured out what it is yet. And then I realized like, it's just the intro of the song and it hasn't kicked in like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. It is weird. Yeah. It's like a sixth sense, just like yeah. the sound of a symbol even or anything. It's just, you know, instantly what it is. And are you say you're in a, say you're in a coffee shop um, individually, just by yourself in a Starbucks, you're, one of your songs come on. Do you in any way react to it? I don't mean like get up and dance, but like, do you, is there party that's like, oh, like has a little laugh to yourself or are you just totally like, what's the word? Like unmoved by it? 
Does that make sense? Does it just feel totally normal? You're like, oh, there's something. Yeah, probably closer to that, the second one. Then you probably go, well, I should probably leave just in case anyone sees me and thinks I've asked for it to be on again. <laughs> I don't think it's a case of where it's like, oh, it's so used to it. Like, they don't even care. It just feels normal. It's more like a kind of just, you know, keep your head down. Don't want to. And it's, it's as if, like, what would happen? Like, like, nobody oh, cool. knows who we are. Like, so, like, but you yeah. just have a weird feeling that has, like, the person put this on because they see me here or something. Like, yeah. no, of course they haven't. But yeah, that's maybe just me, though. And you don't want to be, it's that Northern Act thing of like striking a balance of like, you don't want to be like, don't want people to think you're, you're, you're Billy Big Bollocks, you know, like, but also you're just a bit embarrassed in a weird way of like, I'll just get, get my Frappuccino and go. Um, yeah. yeah. I would, uh, if it was me, I would, when I was paying for the coffee, I'd be like, uh, that's a bit of a tune, you know, wink. I'd, w- I'd definitely wink. And then, and then I would just explain that actually I contributed to that song. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, where's the... they pay their PRS license? Just make yeah. sure you're getting royalties on it, you know. Where's the weirdest place you've heard your own music? Like, have you ever been in a, even in a different country, or or and have you been in an odd setting where uh, one of your songs come on the radio? I don't know what I was looking for the other day, but I came across this old video of us standing at baggage claim in Lisbon Airport. And I took taking this video and I was like oh, panned yeah. across at Sam and he's standing in front of like a, a TV screen and it's just playing our music video. That was worse because obviously like we we're in it and yeah, it's standing yeah. right there and it was like uh, it's a bit uncomfortable. Um, it's in, in scenarios it doesn't feel very music friendly. That's when you're a bit you're extra nervous. Do you do you react the same when I see old sets that I've done stand up wise? Uh, I just I just can't watch it. I, I just can't watch it. With music, do you do you ever feel the same? Do you feel the same way? Like it, it, what I mean by that is your your earliest stuff. Like all that's the same for all comedians. Nobody wants to watch their their old stuff back, even from a couple of years ago. It's all, it's always the stuff you're doing now. But is that is that the same music? I don't know. I would never sit and watch anything that we've ever done. You know, like after afterwards, so I don't I don't even really know. I'm definitely not like embarrassed if a song comes on, or something. I don't think, you know? I don't think I'm embarrassed when I see old stand up. I just like you, just kind of you know you look a bit different in in the old stuff. You know you you can tell that you you know the stand up that. So so I did a a thing for BBC Northern Ireland years ago, and the clip's still online, and I'm wearing a blazer. But I like a substitute teacher blazer, a um, Led Zeppelin T-shirt. Don't know any Led Zeppelin <laughs> songs. Don't know any other songs. I'm wearing jeans and a pair of brogues, and, uh, and and my hair's like all the one length. You know, I didn't know to like get it done shorter back and sides, so it's one length hair. I'm wearing a Casio watch, and I at the time I was like, this is this is how you do stand up. This is how you dress and all that kind of thing. And looking back at it. Yeah, yeah, very standard outfit. But looking back on it now, it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm embarrassed by it. I'm, I just look at that and just think like that's it. That's just a totally different. That's a totally different person. Mm. You know, it's just an, think, it's an odd feeling of oh, I'm different now. I think for for music, it's a bit different. I guess like the reality is, you know, the our biggest, most successful songs are songs that 
we wrote and came and that came out 10 years ago. Um, so I guess the equivalent would be like if you had to tell your best Mike McGoldrick joke every single stand-up and you had to do, you know, or something yeah. that was from a long time ago that kind of started, maybe started it off for you or whatever. Um, and I think, well, it's, yeah, we just don't have a choice really. Um, we have to play the old stuff. Um, <laughs> not that we, and, and we don't really mind doing it because um, I guess it gets the best reaction. I mean, you're always kind of more excited about playing newer things, but um, yeah, I guess it's just different. You know, I guess, yeah, I'm sure it's a bit different for, for stand-up if you had to like say the same joke at every single gig. That would get really, really tiresome mm. quickly. Sometimes like, sometimes you think people, like with, with stand-up, you don't want someone to have seen the same bit twice. But yeah. just living here and doing nearly all your gigs here, that's very, very difficult to turn over material. So I think I definitely have been guilty about trying to do too much new stuff where you go, I never actually developed the older stuff that I was that I was doing. So now I'm kind of being, I should really work on the stuff a bit more because yeah, I was just turning stuff over far, far too fast. But That's I look funny, back, yeah. I look back at older stuff and I'm like, that was that, that joke is better than a joke I'm doing now. Or I can look back at older stuff and go, I should have made that, that bit had so much potential. Hmm. I just wanted to like move on to move on to something else. I got the but impression people loved that whenever they went to stand up, you know, like the, they would wait for like the bit that they like or something. I know what you mean from your point of view. It sounds like you're like, just like rehashing something that isn't sort of a, a new witty thought. But um, I, I think, think I, I think people want to see the balance, don't they? Of probably the same with music of, of stuff they know and stuff yeah. they, they don't know yet. Like that's what I like at a gig. You know, of course I want to hear songs that, that I've, that I've listened to a hundred times, but then I'm always interested in new stuff too. You know, stuff that I, stuff that I haven't heard. That was, that was, I think a really good thing about the um, Telegraph building show was I think everybody was happy that would have, would have enjoyed the new album, but then also the old stuff too. Like the, the, I thought the, the balance was really good. The, um, the the album false alarm i listened to so much on my honeymoon like it was a real nice soundtrack to we 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 went to the west coast we drove around the west coast of, of america and uh, it was a really nice album for that setting it's a shame so, none of the radio stations over there thought that <laughs> <laughs> if you had told me i would have texted in when i was in the, when i was in the town for a request uh, no I, I i i loved it so when i whenever that you know, comes on in the car now when I've my Apple Music on shuffle, whatever. It takes me back. Oh. It takes me back to a, to a very nice, a very very nice time. The last thing I want to ask you guys about the um about the podcast is: mm. Are you going to do it in like a series kind of way? In that, do you think you'll do like a batch and then another batch of them, or is it something that if people respond well to it, which I think they will, because I think it's a great idea for a podcast. You think you, you, you will ever do them like weekly or bring them out like that? Sounds like something we should have talked about before now. <laughs> think, Any thoughts? <laughs> I think we I think the idea was like, let's start with a series because if we sort of lose interest or whatever, you know, let's not commit to doing like one a week, you know, because we could fall off the cart pretty quickly there. Um so, yeah, I think we'll probably stick to the series thing, you know, get it all done and then sort of tease it out a little bit. Um, that's, the, a great, honest, that's a great idea. Yeah. 
Are you committed I, once a week? I am now, but I completely fell victim to what you were scared of doing in that <laughs> before this podcast was called Tea With Me, it was called the Shane Toddcast, which is a fantastic title, but the commitment into the podcast didn't reflect how good the title was. So I would do like two episodes in two weeks and then I'd, I'd get bored and I wouldn't do an episode for three months and then I'd go, Season two, guys, it's back, and people are like, mm. "There was only two episodes before this," <laughs> and then I would, I would only do one episode, and then I'd miss two weeks, and I'd be like, "It's time for season three. and people are like, "I think we understand what you're doing here," so I think committing to it now, but then I think if you have, you know, this is just this is just conversations, but I think if you have more of a a thing of like we're talking about this this week, I think that probably lends itself really well to a series. Yeah, really, we just sort of tried to copy the outline of the sort of Peter Crouch podcast in that sense. The first series of that, I thought was really good, the way it was so focused. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the more comfortable you get, the more you can talk about anything. Yeah, or, hopefully, yeah, people are interested. And you, can <laughs> just, yeah. you, you can just do more. The What's the podcast called? MFT Podcast. Which MFT stands podcast. for My First Tour. My First Tour, and it's a bit, is available every, like, all the usual places or if you just signed a very exclusive deal with like one very very niche podcast streaming service oh we tried but they weren't interested <laughs> so it's everywhere unfortunately yeah we tried to get the joe rogan money and spotify said we'll put it up for you um thanks very much we accept and we also give it to apple and everywhere you can get a podcast i think i saw somebody um somebody who does a podcast like on like my level you know like very much like you know just does a bit of a pocket wouldn't have like a major podcast and somebody put up on twitter saying uh when joe rogan thing happened welcome to the spotify family and i was like you're not in the fam. you just put your episodes up like you say you're not in the family <laughs> get in here joe come on there's room at the table none of us we can't see the table um that's great so how many episodes are in the first the first series Six. Six in the first series. Three are available to listen to now. And you're gonna bring them out weekly or you just you just bring them out like in one in one go? The final three uh to come will be out uh, each Monday. So it'll be all done in three weeks. Um so yeah. Yes. And if you do like it and uh have a listen, feel free to get in touch with us about things that you think would be interesting from our uh insightful perspective about being in a band yeah it's probably good to, to, to do them in batches because when you're in my situation which will be very soon of like a baby being in the next room i should point out he's being looked after by my wife um you do when you hear like a very slight cry in the background you're like oh no i'm obviously gonna have to close the door you know um so it does, it does, not pause it and go and see <laughs> yeah. sometimes he doesn't know i'm recording these podcasts which is very rude on his part but um, is that your uh, your top tip for being a dad just close the door <laughs> yeah, he'll, under, he'll understand in the future when he listens back he'll be like i understand you were creating this 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 amazing art but uh, but yeah that's my main advice it's just soundproof doors guys thanks very much for uh, for doing the podcast I appreciate it. Um, we'll put the link to the to the podcast in the description of this episode as well. And um, and yeah, see you soon. Thanks, guys. Class, thank you.